Come, brother, and uh, take us to the scriptures. Let us turn in God's word to Psalm 103. Just as you're turning there, I want to bring greetings from your brothers and sisters at Covenant Baptist Church in Toronto. We greatly appreciate the support and the prayers of ARCA. It is truly an encouragement to each one of us. Hear now God's word. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Well, the theme for our General Assembly this year is a biblical view for a balanced church. Now, as you all know, I have not been a pastor for that long. But I believe that one of the key components of a balanced church is a balanced pastor. The Apostle Peter calls us to this in 1 Peter chapter 5, where he calls us not to domineer over our flock, but instead to be an example to them. But how do we, as pastors and leaders, retain balance when there are many demands put upon us? We have Bible studies, we have counseling sessions, we have discipling, and of course, preaching twice on Sunday. There's a lot of demands on our time. And if you're anything like me, Monday is one of the, the, the most challenging days in your week. And even though I have not been in the pastorate very long, I, I know what a blue Monday is many of you know what I'm talking about it's it's the day where you face the most temptation the most uh, devilish attack 
as you come off the adrenaline high of preaching God's word on the Lord's Day, you face the struggles on Monday where you, you are confronted with your weaknesses, you're confronted with your failures. How do we combat this? How do we address this? Now, some of us just want to escape the situation. Sometimes we flick on the TV and we unplug, or we go into the garage and we putter around, or we go outside and, and do something. And I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing for us to do. It's, it's important that we have balance and we pursue those things. But I want to emphasize that as we do those things, we need to understand that that's not what we absolutely need. Our deepest need is the same need that our people have, and that is for the gospel on Monday that we preached on Sunday. Well, how do we get that? It's, sometimes it's hard. We, we fall into these patterns where we, we look at the scriptures just as a preaching text and we don't see it ministering to our own hearts. We need to be engaged actively in meditation on the word of God. And the message of the gospel is all over the scriptures, but it is helpful to have certain texts that you go back to. And what I would like to preach to you from is one of those texts that I go to on Monday morning, and that's Psalm 103. This has resonated with me on a number of occasions, and it is indeed part of the Psalter, which is a unique book in the, in the, uh, in, in the providence of Scripture. It, it, we see these, these men that have struggled and have gone through the times and, and the tra- travels of being in ministry and, and in leadership in God's home and in God's house. And we see the, the struggles that they've had. And one of the things that we most appreciate about the scriptures is their honesty. We see the, the laments that end in joy. Or perhaps the laments like Psalm 88 that just end in lament. That's real. And that is an expression. And, and, the, and the gospel has it recorded here. We may turn to Psalms like Psalm 23, which is such an encouraging shepherding psalm. Another one of those psalms that is important for us is this Psalm 103. Here, David models for us how we are to approach and think about the God of grace. And in so doing, we find David talking to himself and really, ultimately, preaching the gospel to himself. It is, it is like, it is in fact him training his heart and his mind. You can just picture him, perhaps, as he's faced discouragement or depression and talking himself through this particular psalm. It literally refocuses him on God and his wonders. Well, this morning we're going to just look at the first five verses of this psalm. And I hope that it will whet your appetites and that this will encourage you to go back and to see this psalm as a psalm of refuge for you in those days of discouragement. And may it help to orient all of us back to Christ. What we see here in verse 1 of our psalm He opens with this wonderful statement, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, it's interesting. He starts out with this statement, bless the Lord, O my soul. What does it ultimately mean to bless God? Now, the NIV, when it translates this, translates it as praise, which is really an insufficient embodiment of what this is. I'm thankful I'm using the ESV uh, this morning. It translates it as blessed because the, the, it is really the opposite of curse. And when we bless someone, we delight in them. We affirm that we seek the very best for them. 
It's not just praise. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's an expression of our best for them. Now, to do that and to appropriately bless God, we must identify how and what would most bless God. Now, perhaps not for us as pastors, but for many of us, uh, it, it may seem a little strange to think about how we bless God. How do we bless God? We know that God blesses us and we receive many blessings for that. And we, when we pray over our meals, when we uh, teach our children, we, we teach them to be thankful for the blessings that God has given to us. But the amazing thing about God is that it is not just a one-way relationship. We are in dialogue with our God. And he desires a relationship, a living, active relationship with us. And one of the things that we're called to do is to bless him. So how do we do that? Well, we follow the example of David and others who express their joy. We take our joy in him. We're completely sold out on him. We see that the, the, the expression of David here, all that is within me, bless his holy name. It's all an entire giving of oneself over to God. It's an entire selling out of our soul to him. And we need to remember that the way in which he approaches this is through meditation. He's meditating on who God is. It is on the, in the meditation on God's word he, he, he thinks about this. He thinks about God and his attributes. You see, when we come to God's word at any time, we're not just coming to read it. We ought to be coming to the word of God to read it for a change. Read it to change. And this is how we are to change. We are to focus on our God and not ourselves. That's the danger on Monday mornings where we turn and we focus on ourselves and we we, we seek to find our righteousness in our preaching or in our, in our counseling or in whatever it is. If we're not finding our sufficiency in, in our God, we are sinning and we are turning to other idols. As my father's pastor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, used to say, we need to spend more time talking to our hearts rather than listening to our hearts. David here is rousing himself out of gloom and depression using his mind and memory to kindle his emotions, not the other way around. And we see that this is something that is is consistent throughout the Scriptures. Elsewhere in Psalm 42, we have that famous talking to passage that that Lloyd-Jones used uh, uh, occasionally. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him my salvation, that talking. But Moses also referred to this and, and, and taught it to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8, 11 to 14. He said, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. See, we can also go unbalanced if we are complacent. It's not just when we're in despair and discouragement, but also when we are complacent and we don't feel as if we need this gospel. We need to remember the words of Moses as well as the words of David. Well, what is David here doing in verse 1? He's blessing the Lord. 
And hopefully you have that in small caps. That is, of course, Yahweh, the covenant name of God, the covenant keeping God specifically names. David specifically names what he has done and what he does. He forgives all your iniquities. And the emphasis here is on the removal of our guilt, all your iniquities. This is removing the legal guilt that we feel. He's reminding in, in, in seed form here of justification. All our guilt has been removed. God, through Jesus Christ on the cross, removes the guilt of our sin breaking. He removes the guilt. He removes the pride. He removes the selfishness that we have in our ministry. Then paired with that in a couplet is he, he heals all your diseases. Now, some see this as healing our physical diseases, but as we see often in, in Hebrew parallel poetry, there is a, there's a relationship. And I believe when he's talking about healing iniquities here, he, that he is healing sanctification. He's healing us from our sins. This is what it means to be sanctified, to be cleansed from the effects of sin and given a new heart that desires to serve. This is the, really the glorious promise of the gospel, isn't it? As, as, as Christians, we're, we don't just come to God and we ask him to, to uh, protect us from sin. No, we ask him to circumcise our hearts. That we would not only have a heart that has been cleansed and purified, but that we would grow in our sanctification. That we would desire the things of this world less and, and the things of God more. And God is able to do that. The blessings continue as we go through this, this psalm. Who redeems your life from the pit. And the pit is a, obviously a, um, a parallel phrase for the grave. So he justifies us, he sanctifies us, and he resurrects us. He raises us to new life in Christ. It's not just forgiveness he's talking about, it's resurrection. And then in, in the second part of that verse, it just goes on. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And that's that beautiful hesed love. I love that word, hesed. I teach it to our people, you've got to spit enough to say it. But it is that steadfast love of God, that never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love that he fixed on Israel. And despite their sinfulness, that grace continues. And we need to remember that love. We re need to remember that that mercy is fixed on us. And that our righteousness is found in him. But he continues. We are also adopted who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He crowns us. We are sons and daughters of the king. Son of a king. Do you know what that means? I often remember uh, Billy Bray. Some of you may know, uh, I've heard of Billy Bray, the 19th century English Cornish tin miner. He was a very simple uh, preacher, but he got the gospel. He got this understanding of his his relationship and his identity in Christ. He used to go around saying, I'm the son of a king. And he was a church planter. And he would go around ch planting churches all throughout the, the south of England. He planted one church called Twelve Heads. And there were literally six, six on one side and six on the other. And there were, six, there were 12 people in the village. So he had 100% attendance. But 
he believed that God was his provider. He believed in Jehovah Jireh. And so he would, he would claim that. He would get very upset if, if the Lord wouldn't provide him with uh, the things that he desired to honor God. Now, one day he was on a begging mission for money. He would go and beg money and use the money to build a chapel. And then he'd preach in it. And then he'd raise up others to, to continue in the ministry after him. And one day he was going to beg at this particularly gentlemanly house. Now, some of you may not understand the English class system, but it was very um, untoward for this dirty coal miner. I mean, often they'd come out of the mines with the, their faces all black to go to the front door of the, the gentleman's house to, to ask for money. And he's with a friend and his friend said, Billy, Billy, please, please don't go to the front of the house. Let's go to the back and, and, and he'll receive us. And he said, he turned to him and he rebuked him and he said, don't you know who I am? I'm the son of a king. I'm going through that front door. So ought we. You see, our crowning with this steadfast love entitles us to approach God directly and claim His promise in our lives. He is the one who builds the church. It is not through our efforts. We have the, the, the blessing to be the instruments of His grace, but the Holy Spirit works through us. We are not the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be eloquence of our preaching or even the amount of time that we put into publishing our sermons or the amount of time that we we spend in in seeking the hearts of uh, of our flock. It is God who builds. And we see that that David gets this. This is not a psalm that is in the abstract. Throughout the whole passage, David is using personal pronouns, pronouns, you and your. We have a personal God, a gracious God of relationship. And all of this gives us strength as we recall these things about our God and His work. Justification means that we are free from our past. We have had the guilt of our sin removed from us. Sanctification means that God is working in the present. He is circumcising our hearts and yes, He uses suffering. Resurrection means that we have no fear of death in the future. We have nothing to fear. Our churches may cast us out. We may face hardships on this, on this earth, but we are the sons and daughters of the King, and that's all that matters. With adoption, we have no fear of others. And this, these four things are what one commentator has called the experience of the Christian faith. This is what it feels like to be saved. And that's what we need to remember We must remind ourselves of this when we're allowing our emotions to get the better of us. And when the devil tempts us to despair, we have holy emotions that God stirs up as we contemplate him and his glory and his majesty. The concluding verse of this opening doxology conveys the benefit of this meditation. Verse five, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We have this beautiful picture of of satisfaction. That's what the world seeks to present before us, right? Drinking Coke is satisfaction. Of course it's not. Real satisfaction comes through living water. Through the water and the power of the Word. The living Word, Jesus Christ. I remind uh, my father, uh, who is body, as many of you know, has been racked by cancer and who lives with chronic pain every day. 
I remind him often of Psalm 92, verse 14, which says, They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. See, in God's providence, getting older is not a negative thing. In fact, it is a joyful thing because we get closer and closer to glory, to our real home. And even those in our congregations and even us as we age, we are as good as God is, which is amazing. God is amazing to us. He is gracious and He is powerful. And He can work through our frailties. And He can use us in different seasons of our lives, in the vitality of our youth, but in the wisdom and the strength and the fruit-bearing of old age. This is the joy we have as we meditate on God's Word. Meditation renews us. It strengthens us when we're weak. It reorientates ourselves and centers ourselves not on ourself, but exactly where we need to be centered, on God Himself. Even when we don't feel like doing it, even when it is a struggle to discipline ourselves to open God's Word, we need to turn to this. Because if we're not grounded and centered here, we face the dangers of idolatry, pursuing our own reputations, our own egos, and we try and palliate them in all of the wrong ways. Do you remember these truths? That you're justified, that you're sanctified, that you're going to be resurrected, that you are adopted? We need this. It thrills the soul, doesn't it? All your sins, past and present, and even future, are covered in Christ Jesus. Your resurrection is assured and you're a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. And He is not ashamed to own you as part of His family. May the Lord bless us and encourage us this week as we seek to achieve that godly balance in our lives where we focus on Him and His wondrous work.